The Bar Star Podcast, hosted by Stephen O'Reilly, is a podcast about working musicians, their friends, and their opinions. Stephen is a musician in Louisville, Kentucky, who has... Wait a second. This guy's a drummer, not a real musician? Somebody gave a drummer a microphone for his voice? The hell? Unreal. Unbelievable. cold having Stephen O'Reilly. Don't you pick on me. I ain't even introduced you yet. Don't you start your shit. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody had a good week. You can see how this show's gonna go. <laughs> and I hope you guys all went out and did some shit. And you have already figured out, I'm not alone today. I am hanging out with my buddy, a one Mr. Brian Guest. Yo. How are you, sir? I'm great. How's life? How's things? Life is good. I'm glad Christmas is over. So I can actually see how much money I don't have. <laughs> I'm so over it. <laughs> it's, just, it's the same thing Carl no said. It's, Carl said the same thing. He said, man, I'm so glad Christmas is over. Yeah, Christmas gives you this false sense of security that you can spend more money than you actually have. Yeah. And yeah. then right as it's over, you realize, I don't have any fucking money. <laughs> and I still got bills. <laughs> <laughs> but see, then that's where, you know, my, my lovely wife, Stacy, calls me an asshole, but these are the times of year that that comes in handy because I don't buy anybody shit. So when y'all are broke, I still, I'm still broke. I'm a musician. I don't have any damn money. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's got money. But I don't buy shit for Christmas. But no. that's 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 all right though. Yeah, I like the Grinch. I agree with that guy. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would. I would fuck up some Christmas households if I. Could. I really would. just because I. I would steal your ham, steal your, steal your tree. It's not a black thing. The stealing is just. I would. It's a Grinch thing. It's a Grinch thing. I no, really. It, I, yeah. No, I'm. In, I'm in. I, I agree. You, you've listened to the show, so you know I'm not going to ask you a bunch of dumbass questions. But I'll ask you a few things. Um, and one thing that I want to know as your friend: How long have you been playing? Because what a lot of people don't know about you. And I'm about to out your ass. <laughs> a lot of people don't know who I am. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Ow. People, more people know who you are than anything. But a lot of people do not have a clue how damn good you are. Oh, thanks. I, I don't. Shut up. All right. My show, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> so how long have you been playing? Like, when did you start playing? Um, I started playing in August of 80, 87. So roughly that's it. Show's over, folks. Years. Yeah, he's it. he's got a damn steel trap memory. He remembers the month and the year. I quit. I'm done. Oh, I, I remember the day I got my first guitar. Get the fuck seriously, is, <laughs> seriously, dude. I was working for um, my dad's friend. Best friend growing up was an orthodontist, mm -hmm. and I started working for him when I was like 13, just so I could earn some money. Right. And back then, I don't know how they do it now, but they made those little plaster um, cast of your teeth. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah. So I all I would do every Saturday was I would go down and I would have to trim these up and make them look nice and neat. And he'd hand me ten bucks, and you knowing you're thirteen, ten bucks is like you're you're a hundred rich, right? Yeah, you're loaded. So I was saving up for a guitar, and I don't know what reason 
why, but we ended up going to um, to Toys R Us. And I'm looking through this. They had this what, big glass display case that had all these like electronic gizmos, all kinds of you know, right. remote control cars and all like the special electronic toys. And at the very end of the display case was this guitar and it had, it had a speaker in it and you could put a nine volt battery in it. I'm serious. You could, you could put a nine volt battery in it and you could play it through this speaker. So I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm looking at it and I had been bugging my parents for a guitar anyway, but they didn't think I would play it because I played violin and I gave that up like in two weeks. So most kids do. They were like, you're not going to play that. So he bought it. It was seventy nine ninety five. I still remember the price. It was seventy nine ninety five. He bought it for me, and I had to pay him back. Right. So now instead of trimming up little molds or doing whatever to get a guitar, I had to pay my dad back for the one that I had. Uh, and that was you. when I first started playing. Couldn't do shit on it, but I had it. I had a guitar. <laughs> you, you had a guitar. I had a guitar. So that's freaking cool. Yeah. I can't believe you remember that. Yeah. I I don't remember. When I actually started playing, I don't remember when I got my first rig. I know my first rig was not even mine. I do remember that. Really? It, yeah, it was a, a friend of mine. When I started, I, I guess you could call it seriously playing, uh, the kid down the street, he had a little tool shed in his backyard that he would put his amp in, and his cousin had a drum set, and he brought his drum set over there and immediately lost interest. So I, I asked the guy, I said, hey, man, you care if I play your drums? He goes, I don't give a shit. So that's how I started playing was him and I in a in a tool shed. So in fact that one of the chapters in the book is Blacklight Tool Shed. But that's what it's talking about because I spent probably, I don't know, a couple of years in there sweating it out in the summer and freezing my ass off in the winter, but they weren't even my drums. That's why because a lot of weird stuff happens in tool sheds across does, America. But it that's does. A, that's a positive story there. That yeah, that is. Yeah. Except that one thing that one time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awful. So you you've been playing since you since I've started to say since you were eighty seven. This show's off to a fucking blazing start. I can't talk. I can't we're breathe. Great. It's gonna be great. No, so you you've been you started playing in eighty seven. Yes. When did you? Um, I guess a a good way to ask you this again as your friend. When was your first show? When did you kind of know? All right, I'm gonna do this. And then how did it lead up to your first show? Um. I'm trying to think of what my first show was. I, I think I had a, um, I had a band. I didn't form a band till about five years after that. Right. Um, and there was a place that used to be on. Oh, I'm trying to think. It's down by U of L. I think it was on Lee Street or something like that. There's a Hamilton Printing there or something like that there. But it used to be a place called the Cardinal Inn. Okay. And me and this band that I had, we weren't we weren't that great, but. We were going to get to or play. any of our first bands that great. <laughs> no, we would, we would horrible man. <laughs> I, I felt bad for my, my my drummer at the time, a guy named uh, Doug Desrusso. He's uh, LMPD now, but oh nice. We would go to his, uh, we would go to his house, and like he was good. He was the only one of us that was really actually good. I mean, he was a fantastic <laughs> drummer. And I remember he had he had gone. He, he had this pearl kit that had a cage around it. Yep, and it was this huge. So we were like, we thought we looked cool because we our drummer has this huge cage. And so uh, I don't even remember how we got booked, but we were playing the show and there was another band called Teaser, which is funny because Chuck Deering, for everyone who doesn't know, Chuck Deering is another local guy here who's played around for a while. Chuck's pretty. Chuck was in, Chuck was in <laughs> Teaser. So, really? So yeah, this is 92. So Chuck will eventually be on this show. So now I got dirt. Yes, Thank yes, you. Chuck, Chuck was in, <laughs> Chuck was in, well, we actually, Chuck and I had, um, we were both at L at the time. Right, and we had a music history class, and he sat in front of me, 
So back then we had the Walkman headphones that you could. He told me that yes, one day yes. I, I, because he, we were some, him and I ran into each other somewhere and, and there was a, a, which we'll get to shortly, but there was a small rumor that you and I were working on something. And he goes, are you working with Brian Gass? And I said, yeah, how do you know him? And he said, well, we work together at UPS, but we also did this. And I went, no shit. Yeah, years so I, ago. I didn't, I didn't realize I didn't, when he ago. told me, I was, wow, that's pretty cool. You guys have known each other that long. Yep. So anyway, carry on. So, but anyway, um, his band teaser and my band, I think, I don't even remember what we were called by. I think it was called common ground or something like that. I don't, we had so many names. Um, we played that show and I remember they, they had like one, one power strip that was plugged into one outlet in the, in the bar. And that powered everybody's stuff. So you'd walk up to the mic and get zapped, or you touch I, the guitar and get zapped. But I've, that was that was like our first show. I've played venues like that. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my that was my first show. That was that was that was wild. But when I did that, it was like I knew then. Okay, this is this is what I wanted to do. Right. I, I kind of had the the same thing. I um uh I want to say I was. I think I was 19. Um, I had been doing the whole tool shed thing for a couple of years and then I got in a bunch of bands and they were all terrible, but I did a, a show in, uh, and I talked about this on my very first episode in the hippie bar, uh, yeah. metal band in the hippie bar. <laughs> <Metal band. laughs> <laughs> that is a true story, but as brutal and as shitty as that show was the next morning I woke up and I went, I can do that again. I'm ready. Let's go. So I, I knew I knew before that, but even as shitty as that show was, that cemented it for me. I, was I like, think we've I, all got to do this. We've all had shows like that where you're just like you just don't fit the venue, but you just oh yeah, do it anyway. It, it, well, and, and as as the longer we've been doing this, at least for me, the longer we've been doing this, I look back on shows like that and go, "Who the fuck decided <laughs> that was a good idea?" But <laughs> <laughs> there was when I, uh, <laughs> it's like, man, what the fuck. Did you agree to that? I yeah. mean, it makes no sense. Well, I think people haven't, you know, they don't really, you know, they, they think they know what they want. And like, I think they're expecting some type of little coffee house. Hey, oh, you're in a band. Oh, yeah, you got it. And you get up there and you, you stack <laughs> amps and, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is a coffee house, right? Yeah. There's an old folks home next door. Yeah. At the, at, well, at that time too, and, and I didn't get into this in the in the first episode when I told that story, but at the time I had two kicks, three or four rack toms, <laughs> two floor toms. I admit it. I even had some roto toms and way too many damn symbols. And I'm trying to fit all this shit in the corner of a hippie bar. It was just stupid. But anyway, <laughs> so you and I met. My date memory is terrible, meaning what year and all that shit. But I want to say it was 2008. I think that's right. Because I moved here in, in and I've already covered all this bullshit, but I've, I moved here in February of 07. So I was here about a year-ish, I feel like, because that's think, when I, I met Alex. About, I think that's about right. And you and Alex have been friends forever, and Alex is the one that introduced us. Right. Okay. That's right. So we met in 2008, right. and then that's when I figured out the legend of Brian Guess. He showed me that video. He goes, man, he goes, I got a drummer guy. And I was like, I was like, okay. He goes, man, check out this video. I was like, he's on YouTube? <laughs> like, who did, who did, who did, who'd he get? And, I'm, <laughs> and I watched it, and I, I remember calling him back, and I'm like, I'm like, who? I said, this guy's local? He's like, yeah, man, the guy teaches at Moms. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was, 
I was ahead of the YouTube trend, but it never did a damn thing for me, which is kind of like, sad. <laughs> Most people send you like a phone video. It's like this guy's on YouTube. Yeah, it was. That's kind of funny. I I, uh, I always seem to do that. I, I'm a day late and a dollar short. That was a good time, though. It was fun. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. But one of the big things that I want you to talk about, one of the main reasons I had you on my show today, besides the fact that I love your face. I do make this podcast sexier. You, you do. I do. I mean, it's, all my, everybody that's come and hung out with me, they all, everybody knows I'm not much to look at. That's why I have so many tattoos. I got to paint the fence. <laughs> got to paint that fucking barn, man. That shit needs some work. But I do want you to talk about planet. <laughs> <laughs> and don't giggle. There's a reason, a good reason. Our, our, uh, our mutual friend, the uh, late, great Kevin McCreary. Yes. Wanted you guys specifically requested you to put the man back together and play Kev Fest yeah, 2017. The way I understand it, yes, and that. So knowing Kevin the way that I did, um, that in itself is awesome because he loves music. He loved music so much. Uh, but the other thing is, I had no idea that he was around during all that because Kevin, like me, he's a transplant. He wasn't originally from Louisville. He's right. from Michigan. Right. So for him to even know that you guys existed. When I went back and you and I were talking about it and started thinking about the time frame, I kind of went, why the hell would Kevin know that? But that's just Kevin. He knew shit he shouldn't know. I think I he, know he's up there laughing. Don't look at me. I'm not sure how he actually... Um, it might have been through Jeff, because I think Kevin came here and he was playing with... Um, oh, gosh. What's that cat's name? David Frazier, I think. And David Frazier had a band. I, I don't remember what the name of it was. Uh, but I think That might have been... Was that Outspoken? Um, no, I don't think that was outspoken. Okay, no, no, maybe, no, 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 I, don't, I don't remember who it is, but um, and I, he must have met Jeff or something, or maybe he saw us out sometime. And I don't even remember the first time I met him. I just you know knew that I would bump into him occasionally at places, right. and he was always you know he always had something nice to say about me, which I thought was weird because I thought this guy is awesome, and he's you know I love Planet, and you guys, and I think I ran into him uh, at Wix one time. It was a couple of years after we had split up. Right. And uh, he was like, oh, you guys got to get back together, man. I love Planet. And I love the way you play and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> so go back because I don't, I don't even know. Sorry. <laughs> my friends come to my show to make fun of me. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm leaving that in there because that was fucking funny. I'm not editing shit. My friends come to my house and hang out with me on my show and make fun of me because I got a head cold. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. And since I'm, I have the record button going, you can go fuck yourself. Anyway, um, when did Planet... Like, what's Planet's history, basically? We were... Um, I had come out of a band that I was playing with my best friend who was playing bass and things in our relationship just started to kind of get weird. And I was getting a little more serious about really wanting to play. So um, he, Cedric kind of went his way. I went mine. And I happened to be in a doo-wop shop one time and I saw a flyer on the wall. I just, I would always go and check to see who was doing what. Um, I saw a flyer on the wall and it said, you know, bass player looking for band, you know, right. wants to play funk, rock, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool. And at the bottom it was signed, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so being a, being a Star Wars fan, that, you know, that immediately caught my, my attention. But um, I ended up calling the number and it was a guy named Alex Featherstone who plays bass with V-Groove right now. Okay, I got you. And... Uh, 
Uh, he answers the phone and I go, hey, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I said, no, I said, I said, hi, my name is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we both had a good laugh and hit it off. Um, his mom used to have a computer store right across the river in Jeffersonville. So we would go over there at night and we would practice. Right. And I remember at the time I had gone through this weird phase where I want, thought I wanted to play bass and try to do something just totally different just to kind of get out of my comfort zone and make right. something happen. So I didn't have any guitar gear at all, at all. Huh. I used, I borrowed a Fender Strat from him, and I don't even remember what I played through. It might have been something that he had. And we just kind of had a jam session in the computer store. And I had brought along the drummer that I had in my last band, and the three of us kind of kind of formed up, and that was Planet. Right. Um, what year would that have been? That was 1997. Okay. Yes, 97, because my son was two years old. Okay. So I don't remember that. And um, it was going pretty good. I mean, we were we were... It was nice to kind of have that freedom, even though Cedric and I, you know, Cedric was a competent musician, but he wasn't naturally a bass player. He was a keyboard player that was playing bass. So even though he was progressing pretty, pretty remarkably, he still didn't have the chops that a bass player, you know, not for the stuff that I needed to have done. But Alex right. could. I mean, Alex is a phenomenal bass player. Right. Um, now, he's the one that played with you at Kefest. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, the one that played at Yeah, Kef I've Fest. seen him. He's a um, really good bass player. Jeff... Jeff didn't come along until, I think, the end of 98. Now, we are talking about the one and only Jeff, Jeff Williams. Williams. Yes, okay. yeah, the one and only Jeff Williams. Um, we kind of had some discussion. Unfortunately, we had to let our first drummer go, which was, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> that sucked, man. That really sucked. It, the reason why it sucked, here's what happened. Alex and I are talking What about happened it. was. What it happened was. Alex and I were talking. Alex and I were having this. <laughs> so Alex and I are having this phone conversation, and we were all friends. So it wasn't like, I mean, of course it's business, but right. I think at this point we were all still young enough to where it wasn't business yet. It was still kind of, hey, we're just having some fun. Right. And this guy was a friend of mine. Um, his name is Demetrius Mayberry. We called him Meech. And as a guitar player, I didn't listen to, you know, I'm listening to the snare. As long as I'm on point, I'm not. Right. But as a bass player, you know, Alex is listening to a lot of different things and he wasn't he wasn't confident in Meech's, you know, footwork. So um he convinced me that man, you know, I think we can blah 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 get somebody else and blah blah blah. And plus we had done some recording at uh well now it's gone, but it was Ramcat Studios and that guy was a drummer that was actually recording us and he was like, Man, your drummer's kinda um sorry, Meech. Um I, hey, man, it's it's a but, story uh, that is unfortunately all too common. It's one of those things where Alex goes, okay, well, we'll do it tonight, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. I said, what time are you getting there? And he's like, I'm going to be there, you know, I don't know what time, 8 o'clock. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get there at 8 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. I pull up at 7.55. No, Alex. <laughs> and then and his gets fucked up. I look up, and here comes Meech pulling into the parking lot. Still no Alex. I'm like, fuck. He gets out of his car. He opens his door. He's got a car full of drums. I mean, you know, yeah, he's got all yeah. this. He's got like a like a Toyota Corolla or something. He's got all this drums. Smash full of drum gear. So he opens his back door, and I I look at him, and I think he's waiting for me to help. And I'm like, I kind of, <laughs> I feel so horrible. I've, I felt horrible about this for years, but I go to close the door. And I was like, man, uh, this is a safe place. Confess it all. Why don't you kind of wait <laughs> to get your drums out, man? <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, I I think he knew. I think he may have suspected something was going on for a while, but we had, uh, you know, Alex got there and we had to talk. And, you know, we 
we remained friends. I mean, he was so hurt, and it it was it was it was a shitty night. But so after that, we got um, we got uh, Max Maxwell in the group for a little while, and then um, we settled on Jeff, and Jeff came in at the perfect perfect time, and I and I think you know Max was great, but there was something about Jeff that I think was better for Alex. The right. two of them, I think, because they had history together, they were they were closer together. You know, you want your drummer and your and your bass player to be oh, absolutely you know, frog tight. So yeah, um, they got along great, and it freed me up because I didn't have to think about what's going on behind me. I don't have to think about you know is is the drummer's foot not satisfying the bass player's groove, and I, I could just play. I could just right. play and sing. So no, that makes perfect sense because when I had Carl on the show, one of the things that we were talking about, and I told him because he had no idea. Um, and I just talked about it at the tool shed when I was, when I started out for probably four or five years, I did nothing but play with a guitar player. I never played with a bass player. Right. So I tend to lean towards the guitar side of things where most drummers will lean towards the bass side of things because I'm trying to follow the melody line and stuff. So I get it from a guitar player standpoint, when you don't have to worry about what's going on behind you, it makes your life a million times easier. Right. So I, I totally get it. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it just it made it, it made things much more comfortable to play behind, and I think because of that, it's like what we would do something and, and we'd go, man, that was great. Let's see if we can do this. Okay, let's see if we can do this, and we we progressed as a band that way, right? Um, and then things started kind of happening for us, and I think that's when the wheels came off of it, right? Well, the only thing I'm gonna make you tell me, or actually tell the listeners. Because it's one of my favorite stories of yours is the Motley Crue story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because how how all this came up and why I wanted to t- you to talk about it on the show is because as long as you and I have been friends, I've never heard any of the Planet stuff. And then I finally got to see it at Kevfest this past September. Or September 17th. I have no idea when this show is going to post. And I was just, I was standing next to a bunch of our mutual friends and we're all going, <laughs> that's bad y'all need to get back together like now but you have told me this story of the Motley Crue story several times and it's one of my favorites so oh wow go okay so um, at the time I think they were 100.5 the Fox and they were having a Motley Crue was having a kickstart your career contest so what they did was they took a bunch of submissions band submissions they listened to them they picked five finalists those finalists went to a venue. I don't remember the name of the venue. And uh, there was about all the bands, which they told everyone would be would be graded on crowd response, right? Right. So um, I don't remember all the names of the bands. I know it was, it was us, it was Planet. Um, there was a band called The Enkindles. There was a band called uh, Month of Sundays. I don't remember the other two bands. But That's this a great band name. But this, well, there's... <laughs> That gets interesting. <laughs> don't, so don't worry, you can come back as many so times as you want. I was told I don't know if this was true, but someone told me that the venue we were playing at was like their stomping ground. So we get there, we bring four people. Three are in the band. <laughs> so the other bands, everybody brings some people. They bring like an army. They meaning month month of Sundays. Of Sundays. Okay. There's like. Nine trillion people. There's a whole a whole country of China worth of people <laughs> came to see these folks and crammed into this venue, right? So a small country showed up with an overpopulation yeah, country, problem. Yes. So 
So we were like, I think we were fourth on. And there was a whole bunch of, I think we had had some words with in Kindles one time. We did a, I think we did one of the Harvest Showcases. We did a, we did one show when there was a guy that uh, was Alex's friend that kind of was kind of one of our, you know, big fans always came to our shows. And I think he had some words with him. So then we had some words and I don't even know the whole thing was, you know, it was juvenile, but. Um, Wait, musicians acting like juveniles? Yeah, who'd have thought? Yeah, never. We're all so sophisticated. Um, That's it. Second so we, time, show's over. I'm out. So we get up there. <laughs> so we get up there. We do our thing. Last band goes on, does their thing. And we're all kind of standing there waiting for them to announce the winners. And I'll never forget this. Tony Benetti. Tony Benetti goes up on stage and goes, the winner of the Kickstart Your Career Battle of the Bands, who will be opening up for Motley Crue, I think the show was like that following Wednesday, Right, is Planet. And we jump for joy. Slapping, high-fiving, we're the only ones happy. And everyone looked at us like we had each taken turns screwing their mothers. (laughs) It was the the most hate... So then... And I, I didn't I didn't see any of this happen personally. This is this is what I was told. A bouncer comes up to me, total mayhem goes off, people get pissed off. Bouncer comes up to me and goes, We gotta get your shit out of here now. They start grabbing my amp, they grab my stuff, they're escorting us out to the car. A fight's going on, people are rowdy, the cops are showing up. I mean, it was I was like, What the hell is going on? We get back to the car. The guy's helping me get my car, my stuff in the car. And he goes, yeah, some guy was coming at you with a beer bottle. I'm like, what? For winning a contest? Wow. Turns out they had judges in the crowd. So during the during our set, I'm out there. I'm dancing. I'm singing. You know, I'm dancing with, you know, girlfriends, which probably wasn't a good thing to do. You know, I'm getting <laughs> arms folded and these guys looking at me and. You know, we just put on a show. We just played up to the crowd. And, uh, right. you know, the uh, I think a guy named Eddie Metal, I don't know whatever happened to him, but I think he was one of the judges, right? So we ended up we ended up winning, of course, that following Wednesday or whatever it was, we go and open for Motley Crue. Well, Tony pulls me out. Tony Benetti pulls me out uh, from our, I call it the green room. It was I think it was a broom closet with some juice boxes. <laughs> it didn't really... Really, it was nothing compared to their, you know, they have hors d'oeuvres and shit. We have like, you know, the little high sea fruit, high sea fruit punches and goldfish crackers. But still, it was it, the experience was cool. So Tony's going down to do a promo spot for the radio station. And he's going to offer free tickets to someone who can sing a Motley Crue, some Motley Crue lyrics or whatever. So he pulls me aside to do this promo with him. And we're off the air and he goes, man. We have gotten hateful calls at the station every day up until tonight about you guys winning that show. No shit. And I was like, people were really pissed that we won that that we won that show. Right. And it it just it dumbfounded me. Of course, Jim James from My Morning Jacket, that was his band. So we ended up opening for Motley Crue. He ends up getting a record deal and going on tour. I think things worked out okay. Yeah, I think, I think he's good with it now. Probably, probably I haven't seen him or talked to him since that. It would be funny to run into him and and huh. see see what he remembers from that day. But yeah, that, that, was a, that was a wild story. That is crazy. So you and I played together very briefly mm-hmm. uh, when we met, because that was how we met. And I have been after you ever since. 
So you're in a microphone. Tell me now again. 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 Making it sexier. All right, fine. (laughs) We will play together again, sir. All right, so you've listened to the show, so you know that one of the things I do is social media issues. Okay, so on social media issues on this episode... Okay, I'm not going to lie. This is the third time in a row I've done it. It's on you, pal. What you got? And I think social media as a whole is an issue. I don't, <laughs> I don't find and I don't I don't have one particular thing other than social media. It's just I don't think there's ever been a no. I seriously, I don't think there's ever been a, a another way invented that makes it so much easier to display your assholeness. That's my thing. I think it, I agree. I think if if I was going to be you know, I hate social media. That's a broad spectrum. But I, I think if I was going to narrow it down, I think the problem with social media is it gives everybody a backbone. Everybody's a keyboard warrior or a phone yep. warrior, whatever it is. It gives everybody a backbone, and that tends to lead to a lot of disrespect. It's interesting that you say that. And the reason I say that it's interesting, one of my solo shows, I talked about dirty laundry. Mm-hmm. How people air dirty laundry and shit, and then how everybody turns into an asshole towards each other. Then I had my buddy Dave Hoback on here, and we were talking about the very same thing in drumming chat groups and any kind of, uh, I shouldn't say chat groups, um, uh, just drumming groups that you belong, that we belong to, forums, thank you, that's the word I was looking for. And then my buddy Chris was on the show, and he said kind of the same thing, and then Carl said it, and now you're saying it. Maybe we should just make the whole theme from now on. But I find it interesting that everybody kind of feels the same way. Yeah. Because it it is, it does get out of control. The thing that Dave and I talked about, um, and, and I've said this before, is if you have a problem with somebody, get in that person's face. And I don't mean in a shitty way. Just go, hey, dude. What the fuck's your problem? What's the deal? Yeah. What the hell's going on? And they won't say anything, but... Same thing, keyboard, keyboard. Anyway, I took it away from you. I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. That's exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was talking about. It just, you know, it it, it opens up. It, it just, it's just a space where a lot of assholes just seem to congregate. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think their point of view or their opinion is either the right point of view or that it's even significant. I don't, I don't care what you think about. I mean, I don't care. Right. I don't, if I disagree with you, we just won't have a conversation about the subject. I'm not going to try to change your mind on something. No. We don't give a fuck. Because at the end of the day, whether you believe in something that I believe or not, I still got to pay bills. Right. Now, I if mean, it was different, if I told you, if I, for every person whose opinion I changed, if I got like $100 knocked off my mortgage or off, off my cell phone bill or something, that'd be different. <laughs> but I don't get that. So it's not in my best interest to try to try to do anything. About no, I, I get it. I think somewhere, and I said this before, um, not even on the show, just in conversations with my friends, people have, have lost part of how to interact with another human that's in front of their face. Right. I, one of my very, very good friends, our mutual friend, Todd, he is so politically heavy, he makes me want to hang myself because I can't stand politics. You've heard the first episode. Very first disclaimer. I won't talk about politics on this show. But he's still one of my best friends. 
we can have that difference. You keep that shit over there. Yeah, keep it over there, and I'll yeah, I'll keep you know. my shit over here. But we're we're still really good friends, and I I find it interesting for me, especially in social media, people will hate each other for something they believe in, and just completely write that person off. Yeah. Like, I defriended you because you don't like the pictures I post of my dinner. <laughs> you know what else? You know what else I hate? <laughs> you know what else I hate? Seriously, what I hate? I, I hate. I hate when people go. People put like a vague post out there, and they'll go, "Oh, I just hope that I can cope with this." And then you reach out and you go, "Hey, man, what's going on? I don't really want to talk about it." What the fuck did you put it out there for? Uh, Keep that shit whores. in your ass. Yes. <laughs> if you uh, don't want people asking questions, then don't say some uh, vague shit. I mean, it's just, you know, the whole thing. You know, and I'll post stuff on there. I'll, I'll keep up with friends. Or if, if I have something I think is witty or funny to say that, you know, people might get a laugh out of, I'll post stuff like that. I don't right. like posting argumentative stuff on there. I mean, occasionally no. I'll put something on there. But, I mean, I, I, I just... I just don't like doing that. I don't, I don't. I think that's just a misuse of of great technology. I, I agree. I, I I totally agree that it's. I guess the more I'm doing this show and the more I'm, because I mean, you and I talk normally away from a microphone, and when we have conversations, we don't get in deep conversations about this stuff. But when you start kind of pulling it out and dealing with it. For for me on this side of it, it's interesting that so far everybody I've had in here says the same damn thing. Yeah. So it means that not only was I right, no, it means <laughs> no, that right. it's it's a bigger problem than yeah. than even I already thought it was because it annoys the shit out of me. I think everybody and every I use everybody as a blanket term, but I think everybody overshares. Oh, definitely. I don't give a shit what you're eating. Yeah, I, don't I don't fucking I don't care. care. And I mean, think think about how how weird this would be if if there was no Facebook. Think think of how apeshit you would go if you went to your mailbox and, like, I had sent you a letter and you opened it and it said, Steve, would you like to play Candy Crush? Wouldn't that <laughs> fucking piss you off? Wouldn't, wouldn't that piss you off? I mean, would... Well, Brian, that candy ain't gonna crush it's itself. Really, did we get any mail? Did we get any mail? Yeah, something from something from Steve here. Let's see what's he got. Uh, he wants me to come over and play Candy Crush. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. Hey, I am gonna. I am gonna write him back with this picture of my meatloaf. Really? Do you really have 250 friends that give a shit about what you're doing? No, not really. I hate that shit. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fantastic. No, don't apologize for anything. That uh, that's one of the things I love about doing this. I not only do I get to laugh my ass off, I don't even have to do squats or crunches or sit ups or anything. You fuckers are giving me a six pack just from <laughs> laughing. Lap. It's awesome. No, apologize for nothing, man. That's that's why this is. Uh, there's many reasons why I wanted to do this show. And, and one reason is when you have a, I don't, I hate to use the word forum, but that's basically what this is. When you have a forum to talk to your friends about things you don't normally talk about, right? It not only does it become more entertaining and interesting, but you still get a little bit of insight on that person, which, I mean, you and I know each other fairly well. I mean, we still, every, I don't think anybody on the planet knows everything about their friends. Right. It, it's impossible. I've been with Stacy for years and 
I'm sure there's something I don't know. It's just, that's the nature of being a human being. She could have discovered something the other day. She's like, this is really cool. And I don't know about it yet. But I think in a friendship relationship, it's always that way. Because when you start pulling out things and you go, well, that's kind of cool. I didn't know you felt that way. Or the other side, like Todd and I, keep that fucking shit over there. I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) need you to just leave that alone. Poor Todd. Poor Todd. That's it for social media issues. You, uh, that's going to be my favorite one so far. So let's move. <laughs> hey, it's just. Uh... Wait, where's your phone? I'm going to text you a picture of my oatmeal I was eating when you showed up today. <laughs> uh, oh, look, it's Stephen's oatmeal. Brilliant. So let's move on to stories. <laughs> I can't even fucking do it. So let's move on to stories from the stage. Stories from the stage. Wow. All right, so, what do you got for me? Well, the first story I'd like to tell. That's it! I'm leaving! I'm done! I'm out! (laughs) It's a good one for you. No, um... Does it involve a cowbell? <laughs> cowbell. It, uh... <laughs> now this was this was a really 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 fucked up but amazing story. Okay. Because I think one of the things, and, and this is this is kind of weird. It's not it's not a race thing, but it is. One of the things about being um, a black person and being playing the stuff that I play, um, you know, rock and that type of stuff. Right. You, you don't really expect to get a lot of praise or maybe a lot of acceptance from other black folks. It's just the way it is. You know, black right. people nowadays, at one time, black people, you know, well, black, you know, Jimi Hendrix, you know, black people were into that. Funkadelic, that's, you know, that's probably my biggest rock influence was Funkadelic Kiss. Right. So, you know, you, 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 you put yourself out there and other black folks either like it or they don't. Right. That being said... We ended up, Planet ended up on this show, it was called The Funk Fest. It was another show, I think a week or two earlier, that had Seven Mary Three on it. Probably would have been better for us to play, but we ended up on The Funk Fest. And that show had had Zap, it had um, Parliament All-Stars, it had Sugar Hill Gang. Um, I think the Bar K's were on that show. So it had the real deal function. Yeah, the real deal function. Nice. And us, who... And then y'all. We were like a combination of, <laughs> we were kind of a combination of, of Lenny Kravitz meets Soundgarden, I guess, for lack of a better term. Some stuff we had that was somewhat I funky. Can, I but, can kind of see that, yeah. But, uh, you know, kind of a King's X, a funky King's X, I guess somebody, you know, had, had given me that description. But, so we're doing this show, and it's like 99.93. <laughs> percent black right and and i was a little nervous about that because i didn't want to you know i wasn't sure how i was going to be received because you know i you've seen me you know i don't you know i got a fishbone tie-dye shirt on and boots and i've got a gibson sg strapped around my neck you know right. I, I don't you know i'm not playing the necessarily the part right so right so we're up there and we're we're jamming and we had this medley that we did that was it was one of our songs called Whole World Made a Stage that was kind of a kind of a funky thing. And then it went into um 
it went into Herbie Hancock's Chameleon, I think. Nice. Or maybe it was Superstition or that. Anyway, we had this medley, medley that we did. It was one of our songs, and it went to. Yeah, but Chameleon. anything you did with Herbie Hancock, I mean, that's just, so it's Herbie Hancock. So we're playing, and I'm I'm trying to gauge how people are are receiving it. Right. No, I. This was probably let's see, it was 2001, so I was just this right before I turned 30, and I'm looking out, and the crowd is probably. 40s, 50s, and 60s. Right. The group that probably in the 70s and maybe early 70s was listening to a lot of different stuff, you know, the stuff that was going on in black radio at the time. So I'm trying to gauge how these people are going. Well, I look up and, you know, we're playing, we're playing Chameleon. And this guy, single guy, hair braided up, he's got a beard. This brother looks at me. And starts giving me the thumbs down. He walks up to the front of the stage and stands in front of me. He's giving me the thumbs down. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, okay, that, that's not brutal at all. I was like, is he, <laughs> is he alone in his thinking or, you know, where is, is he the consensus or, you know, where's right. everybody at? So I just kind of start throwing little jabs at him from the stage to blah, 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 man. I, I bet you don't even know what song we're playing right that. Then I start hearing Chameleon baby, all this stuff out in the crowd. I'm thinking, right. okay, maybe they're on my side. Maybe he's the maybe asshole. Maybe he's by the asshole, yeah. right? So I start kind of taunting them, and people like kind of booing and blah blah blah. It turns out they're booing him. I step up to the mic and I said, I said, don't worry about it. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. And I said, even if it is wrong like that. And the place went, yeah, all right. <laughs> I've got these motherfuckers. Now you die. <laughs> now. Now, Skywalker, you will die. It was that thing. So so then, as soon as I says that, and this was such a beautiful moment, I actually have a photograph of this as it's happening. Well, as you're telling me this, I know this story now. So, so right as I say that, and everyone starts clapping for us, this cat starts giving me the finger. And I'm like, are you really going to give me the finger? So he stands there with his beer. He's giving me the finger. Right as he did that, we got to a part in the song where I do a guitar solo. I look up. Here come the sheriffs. They're coming down to the front of the stage. The sheriffs grab him, and I lean over in the mic and go, don't take him out yet. I got something for his ass. I stepped on distortion pedal, leaned my nuts down in his face, <laughs> went into this blistering solo, and that place exploded. 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 So... There's a picture of me. I'm leaning down. I'm sitting there playing, and Alex is leaning there playing. And he's giving me the finger, and it was like it was it was an awesome moment. I'm like, fuck cool, man. <laughs> so then af- afterwards, we're like, we're, we get off stage, and I think the news came and talked to us or something like that. And uh, one of the guys from from Parliament comes up, man, you guys are trip, man. They can't believe y'all stayed some shit like that, man. Where's your buddy at? I'm like, who you talking about? He's like the guy, man. Y'all came down, had that dude. I said. I don't know who that dude is. You don't? No. That guy was real. I said, yeah. And his his buddy goes, I told you, give me my money, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> so, but that was probably that was like that was like a really wow moment. I was like, you know, because you're nervous because you're like, okay, I don't know if if he's you know if he's acting for speaking for everybody or is he you know he's right is he on his own it turns out you know people that's awesome people I didn't, you never told me that part about the side bet yeah from parliament that's yeah, cool. that was funny. give me my money <laughs> i told you <laughs> yeah that was cool so yeah that's probably one of the most memorable things nice i uh some some shows i i i try to match stage for stage story 
Um, I'm not doing that. <laughs> nope, you win. You put your nutsack in somebody's face. You got. You had a dude escorted out. Um, Parliament not only thought you were the shit, but they had a side bet against you, uh, or for you in your favor. Actually, right. they thought it was staged. Yeah, they thought it was staged, and uh, you were on the news. I got nothing. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to what are you listening to? What am I listening to? Yeah, um, I'm leaving this one up to you, too. I'm just being lazy. To, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, right now, I'm listening to uh, I'm listening to a lot of old... I tend to listen to a lot of old stuff anyway, but I've been listening to a lot of um, just like old soul stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, some Bobby Bland, um, Little Milton, Freddie King, you know, old blues and soul type stuff. So one out of two of them ain't bad. Junior, junior, one out of three. Junior Parker, uh, Joe Tex. Um, and what I mean by that is I have no idea who two of those people were. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a lot I knew of, one of them. A lot of old, um, a lot of old 60s soul and, gotcha. and blues. Um, listen to some psychedelic funk stuff. Now, and I'm asking this for my own curiosity, um, why did you decide to go back that far? Um, I liked where we were with Planet. I mean, I liked what we were doing at that time. Right. But, but that was a different, a different mindset, obviously. Um, I wanted to do something that was more, um, that was a little bit more intimate. Right. Um, it, and it's more, it's, it's not just about... Um, inspiration from the song, you know, arrangement or anything like that, but also just as far as sonically, right? You know how 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 does a guitar sound? You know how over the top should my guitar sound? Because now I don't really. I used to play with a lot of heavy distortion. I don't do that anymore. I use. Uh, I have an amp that I I built myself. It's eighteen watt tube amp. I just use the grit out of that, and I run a fuzz pedal and control my you know clean or dirty with my guitar volume. So gotcha. it's, it's very. It's very, you know, I guess retro is how you would sound it. So it makes more sense for me to listen to stuff that 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 kind of fits into right. a little bit better. And no, and that and that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, I, one of the one of the things about the the what are you listening to section that I dig is kind of gauging where my friends are and and even my musician friends that I play with regularly and and some people that I just hang out with because I'm so far across the map it's it's right. not even funny i mean you, you know that as my friend one of the one of the episodes i talked about a record from tori amos from 1991 that i still listen to i love that record so it's it's cool to, to see not only what you're listening to but why you're going back to that so that's especially with you knowing the way you are that's really cool it, yeah it's a, i mean it's a it's kind of a weird like i i look for different things and what i'm looking for determines what i listen to right um, like I have a, I have a Pandora channel on my phone. It's called, uh, Thievery Corporation. And it's a lot of, I heard it in a, a Thai restaurant. I was like, what are you, what are you playing? But it's, <laughs> it's more, it's more, it's more of an ambient, you know, electronica type stuff that, you know, I listen to to kind of mellow out. Um, a lot of times if I'm listening to mel look, listening for a particular melody or a particular chord movement, you know, I'll listen to something else. Right. But that's, you know, I kind of what I'm looking for at the time is, is where I end up gravitating gravitating to no that and that's cool and 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 with you and knowing the way that you play that that makes perfect sense um so when are we playing 
Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> You're on the spot, am, bitch. I'm, Answer no, me I now. Am, I am writing. I really am. I'm really am trying to write. I'm just trying to get. Uh, I'm probably overthinking it because I have I have this thing where I I don't want to be planet again, and it's it's not a knock on planet. It's just no, that it's, you've been there, done I've that, been there, done that. Yeah, um, I don't I don't want to as much as I loved Heaven Hill, and everybody right. that knows me knows that's the band that brought me up here. Yeah. I don't want to be in another Heaven Hill. Unfortunately, it's over, and it's not a knock. But I don't want to do that band again. I want right. to do something else. And that's that's one of the things that was important to me in the Keb Fest because I, I really wouldn't have. Um, Planet was just Planet was a I I probably had was instrumental in in fucking that band up. <laughs> because, well, I mean it it was a and I I guess you can edit this one. We can go back and add it to the previous section, but. We got, comes out. we got to the point where where things were starting to happen. Um, you know, we had done the Motley Crue thing. You know, we were starting to, you know, play a little bit more around town. We were starting to kind of get a name out there. And then we went to Nashville. We did a demo and it was time to shop. And then the guy came from L.A. and we did a showcase. And it was all about trying to get signed at this point. And I right. think Alex and I were the most vocal. Jeff was always kind of on the fence. Right. I think Jeff just... You know, Jeff didn't want me upset. Jeff didn't want Alex upset. Um, so he never really had much of an opinion. He would kind of give both of us, you know, whatever we were thinking. He would maybe play devil's advocate or he would try to get both of us to see things right. the other one's way. Um, but at that at that time, I was writing some really, really heavy stuff. Um, part of that was because of what I was listening to and part of it was just because that's how I felt felt at the time i was had a lot of frustration was a lot of a lot of anger right i think alex and i both wanted the same thing but the way we wanted to go about getting it was different so we started to butt heads to the point where like when we did that show um the moment when that guy's giving us the finger that was the first time we had actually come together on that show we didn't talk to each other when we got to that show we stayed away from each other we just weren't having a good time and you know part of it was me kind of you know, I, I wanted to, I was tired of playing those songs. You know, we, we got right. together in 97 and by now it's 2000, 2001. And for me, I wanted to kind of go and let's, let's see what else this band can do. Cause I knew this band was great. I didn't want to write the same stuff anymore. I just kind of wanted to do something different. Um, I had different goals about where I, where I thought we should go, who we should be with. Alex had his opinions on what we should do, how we should go about it. Right. And it just clashed. And there was a lot of silly stuff like, um, you know, well, I wrote this part. So, you know, I don't I, I don't want you to make this much money, you know, arguing over money that nobody's that's the, made usually yet, the, you know, and, and it's, you know, that was, you know, that was shitty. So it, it was just one of those things where he wasn't necessarily wrong. I wasn't necessarily wrong, but right. um, we just couldn't. It stopped being fun for me at that point. It just was like it felt like. You know, when we first stepped set foot in that computer store and jammed, it was like there was there was none of that. We're just some guys playing, and now I felt this pressure. You know, I was writing most of the songs, so there was kind of pressure on me to come up with. You know, when you sign a deal, you can't you can't do necessarily what you want. You have to. No. You have to. And I'd actually talked to um, um, Vernon Reed, Living Colors guitar player. I had to, you know, fortunately got to meet him a few years. Right. Earlier, and I would at this time I would call him and ask him stuff, and he told me something that I thought was was like, wow. He said, he goes, why do you want to get a record deal? And I said, well, I said I kind of want to do 
you know, the same thing you're doing. And he, he kind of laughed it off and he was like, he's like, dude, I've seen people, you spend your entire life writing your first album. He said, and it's great. He said, but then you have six months to write your second one. He said, and I've seen guys just, just crumble right. under that kind of pressure. And he said, you really have to decide if that's what you want to do. That's a good point. So it was... He's a super smart dude. I've listened to several... In, I've never met him, um, but I've listened to several interviews. In fact, probably a week ago, uh, maybe two weeks ago. doesn't matter because I don't know when this is going to post, but he did an interview. He was on Eddie Trunk's show. Right. Eddie Trunk's podcast. And, and I was listening to it going, that dude is fucking smart. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, Not to he mention is. stupid good, but... He's super smart, and I thought that was kind of cool. Sorry, he, I did. He, I did no, it's all right. You. He, you know, and he had been there, so now I've, I've got, I kind of felt this pressure. You know, was it, was that good enough, or can I change this, and can I, and start? You know, now the wheels are going. Right. I'm overthinking it because this is what I've always wanted. I don't want to fuck this up. Right. And and I, you know, I took that to heart. So, you know, in that sense, I I probably could have relaxed a little more and maybe at least try to get in Alex's head to see where he was maybe listen a little bit more to him right if nothing else to just calm me down and stop worrying about it so much um but it just never worked out that way well and i, and I think that there's so many levels and so many different kinds of pressure when you're in a band right um and, and i'm coming from somebody that runs a band i don't write music in the traditional sense but i'm not even in an original band now but i handle all the business for my band that in itself is a is a, it's a lot. It's a pain in the ass, yeah, it's and lot. it's a lot of pressure. So listening to you t- describe what you what you were going through, on top of the business, then you're having to write everything, and then you're having the person uh, here and now. Fuck that! Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I mean, and honestly, I mean, there was there were things that I mean, I I was <laughs> I probably wrote the most just because I was, you know, I, I was just you know those. Alex, there were a few things that Alex came up with. It's not that those guys weren't capable of writing, but let's be no. honest. I mean, I, w- I was doing a lot of the writing. Right. And, you know, Alex was doing a lot of the show booking and, you know. I, Everybody I has yeah, their roles. Everyone kind of has their Everybody roles. Everybody exactly. has their roles. And People that get per- uh, offended by that, fuck them. Yeah, that's, just that how, that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, when I came into Heaven Hill, I helped rearrange some of their songs and I helped in a way kind of rewrite them, but I didn't technically write shit right i made what they had better with my ideas and a little bit because i had a little bit more music knowledge than they did on the theory side but i didn't write anything but i still got credit for it on the back end because because you you helped it was my input right but i'm not a writer right and i'm okay with that i i know my role so people that get offended by that fuck them yeah it's fuck them fuck them Fuck you and good day, sir. <laughs> I said good day, sir. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was and it was unfortunate because uh, I mean that 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 band was great, but I I don't think you know going back on it, I don't I don't think it would have had a lot of sustaining power. I, I really don't. Not without not without becoming something different, and that's one right. of the reasons why. Like Jeff asked me, you know, he's like, if they do Kefest every year, I wouldn't mind coming back as playing every year and playing. Sounds cool, but. I really wouldn't want to do that because a I don't I don't really want to. There's not really many of those songs I ever really want to play again. Just right. again, just because that's just not you know where I am right now. And the other thing is, 
I wouldn't want people were like, are you guys getting back together? Are you guys getting back? I heard that all day that day. Are you guys getting back together? Right. And Guilty. I, I even think, asked you. Yeah, I think you did ask me. <laughs> and I, I think it's one of those things where I, I would be afraid to do that because 2017 Brian and 1997 Brian are different. Absolutely. And that means that that band would have to change. It would be inevitable for that band to change. Absolutely. It would have to change. It would not be the same thing that it was. No. And I don't. You know, that might be kind of a disservice to to the group. There was, I I will not give the time, the place, or any other information, because I don't want to start any fucking rumors. But at one point in time, there was a band I was a drummer for, obviously that's all I play, that did fairly well. Band broke up, tried to do a reunion, didn't tell a fucking soul what we were doing, kept it to ourselves. Maybe five, six years between. I'm trying to remember when we broke up and when we tried to do the reunion or whatever. And it was brutal. It sucked. We were not the same people that we were when we were, quote, at our height or whatever you want to call it. It just didn't work. And, And I think people, in some cases, I shouldn't say people, I should say musicians. In some cases, musicians try to capture that magic. You and I have been in Mm -hmm. this exact situation, which we... It's a long story. We're not going to get into it, but they try to capture that magic that was once there and it's just gone. Yeah. And it's, there's nothing wrong with it. I think people get, get too caught up in their own bullshit and their own seeking of, I did this once I can do it again. Yeah. Or it's just nostalgia or it's nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think sometimes, I mean, what I know there's a cliche saying, and I can't think of it. You're not going to recapture what you had. No, you're just you're not. not. The flip side to it is if you're in one of those bands that had five hits back in the 80s and people still want you to sell out a 3,000, 4,000 seat venue and you're still making money, then at that point, fuck the magic. It's about the paycheck. It's about the paycheck. So it's, and I think people kind of get those two confused because if you never got to that big level, it's never going to be about the paycheck. You're living for the nostalgia. Right. So I I think people just get it confused and get it a little, they get that shit a little twisted. And it was, I mean, I had a, I had a ball doing Kev Fest. I mean, I I really, I I had a ball watching you doing Kev Fest. I enjoyed playing with those guys again, especially for that cause. And it was, you know, it it was really special to me that, that, you know, everyone was coming up to me going, you know, you guys were the only band that he, he actually requested to be on. And I thought that was, I thought that was awesome. So, I mean, I was really proud of that, but I mean, I think. You know, I would say never, but I mean, it's not, there are no plans at this moment. Right. You know. To, no, and, and I get it. And that, that makes sense. Well, that's it, kids. That's been a pretty damn good show. I no, learned a lot good, about you. a good show, yes. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it was only good because of you. I learned what type of stuff can go on in a woodshed when you're. Toolshed or woodshed? Did you say toolshed? Yeah. I tool said toolshed, but if you want to take me to the woodshed, it's fine. No, I will not do that. Well, I mean, it's not like it would be hard to whip my ass. Just type something at me first. <laughs> I'll send you an invitation. <laughs> to Farmville? Farmville. <laughs> or Candy Crush. What the hell is Farmville? I, is just, I don't know. I don't I, I got nothing. It's some you you build a farm and you milk cows and uh, Who does that? It was some early fucking game that Does nobody play huge. Connect Four anymore? I Monopoly? Don't think so. Risk. No, I like Monopoly, but I always lose. I always lose. You know why I lose? You're my friend, and you know this about me. I'm fucking tight with money. So every time I land on Boardwalk or Park Place, I don't buy it until it's too late. 
See, I'm black, so I'm automatically in all the bad. <laughs> can't make any, can't make any money off the. I think I landed on Shit's Creek one time. Is that one of the spots? <laughs> I fucking love. They it. really should update that game. Whore Alley, damn, pay up, <laughs> damn. Damn, son. Actually, I think they did update it. I did think there really? is a new version. There's an electronic version. We saw it the other, uh, not the other day, but it doesn't matter when we saw it. Yeah, but we saw you it. Can't make an electronic version. No, it was it was physical, but it had some electronic shit in it. Like oh, it had okay. this automatic banker kind of thing where you could apparently make more money. Yeah, I was, it was worth checking out. Anyway, thank you again for coming by. I appreciate Thanks for it. having me. Absolutely, you are welcome anytime. I. Uh, some people, I, I'm going to have to edit them and just not even fucking release the show. I, I feel it. It's coming eventually. I don't know when. Probably one of my own shows, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting myself out. I need to cut myself out. But seriously, thanks for coming by. I, uh, I hope you guys learned something. I hope you uh, enjoyed it. I, I absolutely adore you as a human being. Thank you very much. You are very welcome. And uh, as I, I love say... you too. Great guy. Sorry. Cut that out. Nope. <laughs> horrible Christopher Walken. It's not horrible. It's amazing. Don't make me have you do two to Wola. <laughs> Man, it. what you mean you used to be pookie? <laughs> That's it. We're out. We're out. Y'all go out and do some shit. I can't even do a normal close because of this man in here. Man, I'm talking about cop killer. (laughs) I need to stop. (sighs) So until next time, I will talk at you soon.